Intel technologies may require enabled hardware, software, or service activation. No product or component can be absolutely secure. Your costs and results may vary. Intel does not control or audit third-party data. You should consult other sources to evaluate accuracy. Intel Corporation Intel, the Intel logo, and other Intel marks are trademarks of Intel Corporation or its subsidiaries. Other names and brands may be claimed as the property of others. This episode contains descriptions of topics such as drugs, gambling, drinking, weapons, self-harm, and world tragedies that may be alarming to some listeners. Intel is committed to respecting human rights and avoiding complicity in human rights abuses. See Intel's Global Human Rights Principles. Intel's products and software are intended only to be used in applications that do not cause or contribute to a violation of an internationally recognized human right. Hello and welcome to uh, a podcast with Intel. We're here talking about AI that with Intel, looking at what we can do with OpenVINO, one API and the one Intel stack. Um, my name is Mike Philpott. I'm the Partner Sales Development Manager for AI in the UK for Intel. And my role is speaking with ISVs across the UK, looking to understand what they're doing, how they're doing and how Intel can help from a software perspective, looking at the integrations and just unlocking that little bit of extra performance benefits. And then also that commercial benefit from uh, from that as well. And that's part of what we're going to talk about today is I'd like to introduce my guests with me today. It's uh, Chris Pikes from Image Analyzer. How are you doing, Chris? Yeah, very well. Thanks, Mike. And uh, firstly, thank you for having me today. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk with you. And, you know, we've uh, worked with you guys for many years. So uh, thanks again uh, for the support. No, not a problem at all, because it has been, well, yeah, like you say, a good couple of years. But obviously, the relationship between what I'm doing and what you guys are doing has probably been about nine, ten months or so. Well, it is. Um, we've actually been working with you guys. Uh, we originally started off when you went to your multi-core thread architecture, um, image processing, as was back then, was uh, very processor intensive. So uh, we were a good showcase piece for Intel because you know, that's what we did uh, at the time. And uh, you know, your architecture, you know, really supported us and gave us massive gains in performance. Fantastic! That's what we love to see. So, tell me a little bit about Image Analyzer. Obviously, I know about you guys, but our audience may not know about you. So, what? what give me a kind of five-minute rundown of, of Image Analyzer and what you guys do. Yeah, certainly. So we're. Uh, I suppose the concept, I was one of the original founders uh, with a gentleman called Randish Indy and another gentleman Patrick Cooper. Uh, we were founded back in 2004, really. Um, it came from a requirement which was driven by an email uh, filtering issue uh, with a large South African ISP. Uh, back in the day before there was true multi-tenanted solutions, it was more sort of cobbling multiple uh, of the same solution together and calling it an ISP. Um, but I had a problem with uh, one particular uh, use case, which was adult material being passed around to the, uh, the corporate network. Um, so we said to them, we could probably write something, which we did uh, as a command line scanner um, back then. So it was literally just a plug and call um, for the mail marshal product, uh, as was known. And uh, we built a, a variation of our technology, but it was a little bit too draconian back then. So we quickly revised the technology up to a version four. Um, and by that time, it was something that could be used in the commercial market. It understood what an email trend and flow looked like. It knew, you know, greatly improved on false positive, false negatives and all the things. You know, the two measuring blocks of what we do is really performance, how fast can we process, and, and the accuracy level as well. So... That was you know, version four, uh, roll forward to about 2017. 
uh, and then artificial intelligence came into to our lives, although it wasn't being used in the commercial space. Uh, more tools and know-how was available, uh, more data scientists uh, available in the market. Uh, and the tools, really, which is you know, how we came to be working with OpenVINO, um, became available and we increased our portfolio of actual categories. Uh, we're now at 19 categories rather than the single adult content that we did do, including things like weapons, gore, self-harm, gambling, drugs, drink, um, lots of different things for lots of different use cases. We've got a forensics module including DLP, personally identifiable information, uh, and we're actually adding another six categories very shortly, but I can't talk about those yet because they... Oh, it's so exciting. As yeah, I say, surely you've got all the... There can't be too many more unsafe categories, can there? Well, it's, it's quite strange. I mean, one that I can tell you about we did a, a one-off for was uh, tailplane wings, uh, and that was really to help um, some of the American uh, justice departments um, identify particular planes which were doing drug uh, drops in, uh, in oh, Florida uh, area. So, so yeah, we, we, we get asked for the weird and the wonderful... Uh, <laughs> Across, but it, yeah, it certainly keeps it interesting and keeps our guys busy. And uh, yeah, so we're now version eight of our technology. Uh, we've done a lot of work around video and streaming media, so so we work in that, and we're seeing big gains in that market again. You know, very performant uh, as a requirement uh, for that. And the uh, the agenda, as far as government is concerned, and public opinion is, is certainly swaying, and there's a lot of legislation coming into play now. So things like Section Two Thirty in America. Uh, the DSA in Europe and the online Simon bill in the UK. Uh, Australia and Canada have already made moves. Uh, there's also added pressure, state of California, for example, around privacy, uh, particularly that of children's data uh, moving. So yeah, there's a lot of cohesion um, in the market and we're expecting to see uh, great gains in the, in the next 24, 36 months. Uh, again, um, you know, Paladin, uh, by way of example, has just uh, put a, a fundraise out. Um, and they were oversubscribed on 250 million they were looking to raise and actually raised 370 million. So there is a lot of interest in this market, which is more around what it is to be human online. You've got the cybersecurity market looking after the data and the systems, but people are now becoming very mindful, mainly driven originally through social media, but there's platforms, uh, yeah. things like Teams, Slack, which we're all using, uh, you know, collaboration, where we really do need to start protecting the users online. And, and that's where we see our play uh, for the next sort of 24, 36 months, developing that out. Uh, and then slowly we'll, we'll move away from just doing image. We're already looking at speech to text, so audio analysis, uh, as well as adding some other forms of um, text analysis in sentiment and, and basic lexical. Fantastic. Because obviously the, the primary deployment is you, you work quite closely with a lot of the kind of the next gen firewall brands. And that's, that goes hand in hand with the deployment. If we're moving over towards the, the more speech recognition, how does that deployment look? OK, so when we're moving on that, it's really around the platform owners that we're beginning to see the big shifts. We're seeing these huge collaboration tools where, you know, Zoom and COVID you know, really expedited this. You know, we all saw that in Zoom share price uh, as it went leaping up. Um, but people have now got a, a better work-life balance, I consider. Um, equally, people also want to get back to the office um, and, and go and meet with people because they haven't had that opportunity for the past two years. But we've developed these collaboration tools at, at far greater pace. Um, and, you know, we've all heard some of the uh, the nastier things which have happened uh, with people breaking into Zoom meetings, et cetera, and yeah. exposure. So, you know, we, we have tools to protect from things like that. But equally... 
things you know, in the classrooms and K-12 program in America. So, you know, there's um, Google Classroom is another great example. And people are using collaboration tools within school. So it's not just the commercial sector, it's the education sector as well. So in terms of what you guys are doing, the, the, the market is only going to keep growing and continuing to grow as this kind of this new way of lifestyle, this hybrid, this flexibility keeps ticking along. Correct. And it will be compliance driven because, you know, what we've got to think of is the Internet has evolved at such pace you know, as has technology. I mean, technology is what it says on the tin. Um, you know, it's one of the areas we focus on very early because we knew it would become an arms race towards the end. You know, we secured a lot of patents. Uh, around you know, the, the sector in which we work in, uh, both here in, in, in the UK, Europe and North America. So, you know, we've built out that, that patent portfolio to, to give ourselves an insurance policy, if you will, but we can only see this growing. The compliance is coming in. The laws are having to now catch up with the speed and the evolution of the technology. So in essence, what is illegal in the real world will be illegal online. And now yeah. we're even going to see the next jump into the metaverse and you know, I think everyone's still learning that at the moment. Brilliant. So, obviously, one of the questions that I was looking to ask was, what were the biggest challenges that you were looking to address? But you've kind of already mentioned that in terms of this this differentiator between it's very it's very easy to be caught doing something kind of not not correct in person, but it's a lot more difficult online. So you, you you're you're bridging that gap, aren't you? Kind of uh, not necessarily, but Bill, Bill was being this this internet policing force, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah, we don't see ourselves as a policing force. Um, we're technologists at the end of the day. Well, yes, of course. From technology backgrounds. Um, it's not our job to police. Um, what we do is we give the governing body, so the, the likes of an Ofcom that will regulate here, we, we give them the tools to be able to see what is possible and what is not possible online. Yeah. Um, so kind of changing tax slightly from that, obviously we've mentioned about you guys are using OpenVINO and you've um, you've been working with us for quite a while. What what solutions are you actually using in the the, 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 um, the solution at the moment? Obviously we've mentioned OpenVINO. What about the hardware side of things? How does it all how does it all fit into that nice image analyzer package? Yeah, so, so because we supply through OEM channels uh, predominantly at the moment uh, into our technology vendors um, portfolios, most of them leverage Intel hardware. So it makes it very very easy for us to deploy our technology. Firstly, at speed, but secondly, in the right format for them to be able to use for their customers. So when you're when you're working with these with these OEM channel partners and you're working with end users, are you, are you having to specify that this this needs to run on Intel to get the maximum performance out of it, or is it, or is it just a non-starter? It's like Intel or nothing. They generally supply to us, and we do run on other chipset groups, um, particularly in the GPU market and also Apple. Um, there, so we, we are enabled for those, but we certainly see the vast majority of our customers uh, using Intel CPUs. Fantastic stuff. It's good to know that. Good to know that we're doing all the right things in the market to get that. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And going back slightly again, but still on the the theme of OpenVINO, how did you find that integration of OpenVINO in kind of that in that twenty seventeen period that you mentioned? Because obviously, I know that you've worked with this for a long while, and you've you've had lots of different technical conversations and commercial conversations. How was that process? Yeah, no, the integration was great. I mean, you guys were really really helpful. Um, we've had a, a long going relationship you've even offered us you know, hardware and using your verification centers to get things rolling uh, we were fortunate we, we didn't need that we had uh, quite a lot of hardware available to ourselves but 
our team in Pune, uh, the developers there, saying to talk with your guys in Bangalore uh, on a regular basis. And yeah, it, it went swimmingly well. So yeah, we were very happy to be able to, to get it integrated and, and launched as fast as we did. Fantastic. And obviously, long may that relationship continue with uh, Sir. The kind of the one Intel suite of tools continues to develop and grow. And obviously, there's there's always changes and always exciting stuff on the horizon. So and with us working closely, we'll be you'll be the first one to know about that. Yeah, we're looking forward to seeing what's coming next. Fantastic. So we've we've mentioned how you work in you've mentioned about education, you mentioned about the commercial sector. Your solution is very wide ranging. Are there any verticals that you you that you don't think our solution doesn't really fit here, or is it a case of there is an application for image analyzer in any any scenario? I think that, that the main thing people need to understand about us is we are not an object recognition company. We don't just identify an image; it's a cat, it's a boiter. We are looking for specifics within workflows. Now that could be a social media platform. Uh, with user-generated content, which is passing, and there needs to be some sort of curation process in place. Um, but equally, it could be within a law investigation department where a forensics company, you know, quite often to, to get these um, cases to court and, and, and to get a successful prosecution, um, they will use technology uh, such as ours within various uh, forensic software companies' technology to go down into hard disk drives, mobile phones, all those other things which people take about to actually depict and find particular uh, images. It might be guns, it might be hordes of cash, it might be cocaine or, or whatever else it happens to be. So we are very wide ranging. Um, you know, it could be anything from CCTV surveillance systems in prisons, identifying you know a knife being pulled and triggering an alert. Um, again, the education system, enterprise, um, you know, right the way down to the big ISPs, um, the cognizance of the world where there's been issues with post-traumatic stress disorder for moderators online uh, looking or trying to curate you know, large queues um, of images and videos for platforms such as uh, Facebook. It's, and I think it's interesting that you, you say that, and it's good that that's come across, that, it, the, that the name is almost slightly deceptive, and that's not just the be-all and end-all. It's not, not just image recognition. It goes so much farther beyond that. Yes, indeed. Yes. So we, we started as image recognition. We have actually identified that you know, we, we are going to need to take more of a one-stop shop approach um, with the addition of audio and, and lexical analysis because that's what people want. Um, we're actually in the process of building um, a, a platform which, in essence, will work like a queue and review system where the, you know it's more the nuance um, images, videos, lexical that we're looking for where they, you know, it could be ruled either way. But what we can do is we can make this technology very scalable and we can remove all the things which are definitely nasty, all the things which are definitely clean, and just give those curators a much smaller, refined um, selection to look at, but without the nasties in there. So, yeah. so that, sort, that, that, that yeah. kind of grey area of we're not right. really sure, it needs a little bit more review on it. It's not as clear-cut as this is a picture of something that we shouldn't be seeing, this is a picture of a cat. Indeed. And what we're also doing off the back of that so to enable our customers to not have to see that again. Quite often you see images or videos or memes in particular, um, you know, where we also have OCR to pull out text. You know, somebody might write something on Twitter, but then somebody finds it funny, grabs it as a screenshot. Lexical no longer works at that point because it's no longer text. It's now become an image file format. So we pull our OCR, pass it off to our text engine, 
uh, and we can depict what's in that. You know, a lot of problems with things like racism in football um, were identified you know, specifically in, in memes. So what we're able to do is, you know, find those needles in the haystack. But off the back of that, we're also creating um, some real-time blacklists. So if one image is seen a lot within a certain time period, we're enabling them to say, yes, this is definitely bad, cache that, and then that image will not reappear for however long the duration is set that it should be locked out. Or that may be set indefinitely. Yeah, fantastic. So it's, it's, it's um, you're covering all bases because obviously as the the world the, the world changes and social media changes and it becomes uh, a, a little bit more confusing and a little bit more troubled you you've got to kind of rise and adapt to those challenges haven't you? Yes, indeed. Yes, I mean also the deployment techniques as well. You know, at the moment we have a, an SDK so people can embed our technology. We have a cloud hosted service and a multi tenant solution available. Um, we have virtual appliances. I've already touched on. Uh, we've got AMIs, uh, we've got Azure instances, you know, digital oceans, you know, Google Cloud, uh, the list goes on. But the other area that we're seeing growing quite rapidly is the requirement for plugins. And again, I touched on this with things like Slack and Teams, where we can actually create those plugins for you know specific technology stacks. And it could be Discord, um, and people can just take that off the shelf from their um, e-com store enable it and off they go so you know we're giving those benefits as well through different channels now fantastic and and again like we say as the the world continues to grow and change the need for the safety and security changes as well so it's great that you're at the forefront of that it's fantastic um in terms of you, we've we've mentioned about the kind of the current you work with oem partners what is the, what is the route to market how do how do people get your software essentially Yes, yeah, so most people generally approach us. They've heard of us. Uh, you know, like everyone, we uh, we we pay Google <laughs> for the paper. Obviously, as as everyone, um, and we have SEO. You know, we've got a team of guys working on that in the background to keep us at the forefront of anything you know, search related for content moderation. So a lot of people know of us. Trade shows is another thing we do. Um, traditionally, ninety five percent of our business was OEM channels. Um, but as I've touched on, um, now we are uh, seeing more of the plug-in market develop, uh, as well as our platform um, business. Other areas where we're going to look to sell through shortly will be uh, the cloud marketplaces, so Amazon Marketplace and, and Azure and Google Cloud Platforms equivalents, uh, and deploy our technology through there. So we generally find there's no one-size-fits-all, but we're generally heard, well heard of. You know, we have a pipeline of over 200 customers. Um, looking to uh, to do business with in the next 24 months and uh, yeah it's uh, it's looking quite positive great stuff so in terms of those those cloud marketplaces that you've mentioned is it a simple will for for let's let's take a a business kind of like an sme smp business where they've got they've got a challenge where their their staff are essentially doing what they shouldn't be doing and they've heard of you they like what you're doing they're thinking yeah we want to integrate let's say, our, you know, their, either their email system or their teams with what you're doing. Is it as simple as uh, they go to this one of the, the marketplaces and just install this SDK kit, uh, plug this plug-in, and it's up and running? No, typically they already have a solution in place for something like their email. So what it would be would be, I'll just pick one out of the, out of the air. So they might be using WebSense, uh, now ForcePoint. Um, that had a product called Surf Control many moons back, if you uh, re remember that. And it's a bit, a, bit, a bit before my time. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So, 
So um, they, they already have an email system, and generally what they'll do is they'll go to the vendor or the reseller that looks after them, and if the reseller's you know, on the ball with that account, they'll be able to identify and say, look, we've got a problem with this, is what go. The reseller will go away, they can talk to the vendor, and they'll say, have you got this already there, and we can just deploy it within that technology. Or it might be as simple as it's already there, it's just not switched on. Um, now, yes, they could go out to, to one of these marketplaces. That would be more around our, our appliance. Um, our appliance has a very simple REST API on it. So they could deploy that within their own infrastructure. Equally, they could tell us uh, what their you know, network topology is. So if it's based on Amazon, they could say, well, can you spin us up an AMI in this region? And we'd like to call that because we want the integrity of the data to remain within our organization. The only information that we would see from that machine, you know, once they've done the REST API integration, is the token count. So how many images or videos, i.e. frames within the videos they'd be scanning, uh, and that information passes back to us um, just purely for a billing mechanism. But there are a lot of companies that do like to keep their data integrity uh, you know, within the uh, four walls of the office, not that you can really confine it as that now. But um, yes, yeah, lots of different ways to consume. Great stuff. And, and in terms of what, what, what's the kind of current setup with us, with Intel, what are we doing on a commercial basis with you guys? So one of the areas that we're looking to build out with you is on your Intel Network um, Builders Program. So uh, we've recently um, looked at that and moving forwards. Uh, so we're going to join the uh, the program. And we know there's 472 other customers. We've looked at those, some of them mutual customers, uh, which is great. Uh, we know there's 27,000 um, email addresses which you guys regularly communicate with. Um, so some of those customers that aren't our customers but are your customers, you know, certainly – uh, have a use case for our technology. So we'll be looking to leverage that and, and communicate to your partners and hopefully make them our partners too. Fantastic. And, and just just obviously for note, this is just one of the commercial benefits of working with Intel from a technolog technological perspective because I'm sure you all agree, Chris, there's not been any kind of it's been a very open and flowing conversation about what can we do for you? How can we work together? It's all about that collaborative working because ultimately we want to generate more for you. That's the key thing. Yes, yeah, so I think there's been some, some great steps. Um, I'm excited about um, UARC's graphics cards, which are coming up. So that'll be a, a, a you know an area that we, we want to stay in touch with you guys, uh, make sure we're moving on that because you know the gaming market in particular um, is you know one of the big things they have is toxicity, and then people leave platforms uh, because of it. You know this has been identified you know, many many times. Um, you know, within the games market, that you know, unless they keep their platform clean, they, they lose customers. And ultimately, if it's in-app or in-game purchases, uh, it costs them revenue. So, yeah, looking at uh, the ARC's graphics cards along with, um, you know, whatever other uh, new developments you may have on the horizon. Fantastic stuff. Brilliant. And moving kind of more more holistically, more generally, what do you see as the, and we've touched on a few of them, what do you see the, the biggest challenges in the market moving forward? in the kind of the six to 12 months term. We've mentioned about the, the new legislations coming in. What, what do you think is, is going to be the real kind of pain points moving forward and the challenges that will need to be addressed? Yeah, so the legislation is it's a double-edged sword, I think, in some ways, that everyone is always concerned. Something has to happen, but nobody reacts until it has happened. So until those governing bodies have put the legislation, which they believe is correct and fair at the time. And yeah, there's been a lot of consultation uh, in this, you know, particularly in the UK. I, I know that I was involved in some of it, but people don't know and 
companies don't know how to react because they don't have a mandate and a framework, a set of guidelines to react to. So at the moment, it's kind of slowing things down a little bit. Um, whereas if they can actually get the legislation in place, people can then say, yes, we understand that. What's our obligation? What do we do to admit the risk? Okay, we can deploy these. And these are the correct solutions that are answering the compliance questions, which we have to get right. Yeah, that makes sense. And obviously, with the with the legislation side of things, like you mentioned, it's a case of they're not ready to pull the trigger on it yet because they're not entirely sure what it looks like. And they won't know what it looks like until it's potentially a little bit too late. And it has happened. Yes, correct. And yeah, we've seen other governments with that, but you know, they have to put something out there in my mind, um, because what we have at the moment is not fit for purpose. But equally, it's like everything, you can change it, have it as a work in progress, you know, it shouldn't be something which is static for the next 10 years, as it has been in the past. They need technologists within government that understand what's happening and what the next challenge is going to be, to be able to advise the lawmakers, so they can continually modify uh, and make things appropriate for what is happening at the time. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I'm an active social media user. I'm a, I'm a gamer. I see it, like you mentioned, I see it all the time with the this new wave of kind of toxicity and this ever-changing kind of anonymity behind behind a profile. It's very, very easy to to say and do what you want, isn't it? And I think that's only going to continue to grow. So and I, and I agree with you in terms of it doesn't need to be static, it can be a work in progress. But certain, definitely I would agree that steps need to be taken to to change the landscape. Indeed, yes. Couldn't, couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. And how do, you see the, how do you see the market evolving moving forward? So less so the challenge, how do you see the, the uptake in um, kind of taking this seriously? How do you see that changing? I mean, I, I think it's, it is already being taken seriously. Um, I think from a market position, um, it's, it's the old question. It's do you buy, build or partner? Um, we always see there's always the, the, the trail finders and the, and the blazers, which kind of thing. But as market conditions change, which they have rapidly recently um, because of the legislation, we're seeing firstly a lot of new companies within the content moderation space um, come to fruition. We're seeing funds uh, raising, ready for consolidation of you know, some of those startups and, and old companies. Um, and then equally, you know, we, we've seen in the last couple of weeks, we've seen two hat acquired by Microsoft to look after the toxicity on, on platforms there. Uh, we've seen crisp thinking brought by Kroll. So there, there's a lot of movement um, in the markets at the moment. But it's the old, do you buy, build or partner? Um, at the moment, we're obviously looking to increase our licensing revenue by partnering with as many people as we can, um, but equally appreciate that you know, people you know, far, far larger companies than us um, will, will want to acquire that technology and bring it in-house and further develop it and, and benefit from it. Yeah, makes sense. And in terms of, you, you mentioned about there's, there's businesses that are kind of up and starting in terms of content moderation. How does that look from a competition perspective for you? Is it is it a, is it a fiercely competitive market? Are, are you finding that you're kind of spearheading the way or is it is it a nice balance of the two um it's, it's both um i mean firstly you know one of the things that we've done for many many years is try to educate the market but before the proliferation of mobile phones social media platform you know adsl lines it wasn't that long ago since we were all using internet explorer or even netscape um and, and working on 56k modems so, you know, everyone today is a journalist. Everyone today can publish content. You know, look at the, the influencer market. So the, the market has evolved. The technologies have evolved. But 
we're no longer having to educate because people understand the issue. They understand the problem. It's been widely covered in all different types of media, um, you know, from traditional press to, to, to everything uh, online. So the more people entering the market, the, the better for us, um, strangely to say. You know, we've been there. We've got a well-established brand. Um, we've got good customer references that people can ask, um, you know, how, it, how is it to work with us? And, you know, our, our customers are great and we love our customers. Um, but it does mean that the market is proven. It's taken that stage of this is no longer a nice to have. It is short becoming a have to have. Yeah, definitely. It's like, like you say, it's moving away from the, I'd be good if we had it said, this is now more of a necessity. It's, there's there's a def- definitive need for kind of content filtering and content moderation. Correct. Fantastic. And obviously, what you mentioned about partnering with us, what would you say for a, for any any AI based companies that are, that are thinking should we work with Intel? Is there value there? What what would your opinion be? You, think, obviously, you've worked with us for years. Who better to hear it from? Yes, no, I think it's an easy decision, isn't it? I mean, if you just look at the chipset volumes which you have in the marketplace, you know, not only at server level but you know PC, desktop, uh, right the way into mobile edge devices, etc. Um, you know, if you're not working with you, you you've got your strategy wrong. Uh, is the first thing. Um, secondly, um, you guys have been so helpful. You know, the, the years that we've worked with you, that, that you couldn't have gone any further. And you know, we, we're very receptive, and, and thank you for that. So, my advice to any AI companies, you know, they should certainly be looking at where you guys are moving. Not only in OpenVINO, but some of the newer things which you might have on the horizon, um, and, and embrace that. Fantastic stuff. So I think that kind of quite nicely caps off our conversation. So we've learned a little bit more about Image Analyzer, learned a little bit more about what Intel are doing from an AI perspective and how that can, whilst it's the technical side of things, how it can also integrate from a commercial perspective. Because obviously, once you've got the matchup of the two, it's an absolute win. So where can they find you? How do, how do, how do people interested in Image Analyzer get in touch? Okay, so uh, usually best place to start is our website, which is uh, www.image-analyzer.com. Um, they can contact us through there. We've got chatbots on the site. We've got um, you know, contact forms. Um, but equally, if they, they want to reach out directly, um, we're based in the UK in Gloucester, 0870-041-1166. You know, please drop us a note. We'd be delighted to have a chat. Fantastic. And I cannot speak highly enough of the guys at Image Analyzer. They're a brilliant company doing absolutely fantastic things. And uh, yeah, long may the uh, long may the relationship continue. Absolutely. Been a real pleasure today. Thank you so absolutely. much for Mike and, uh, and your hospitality. Very welcome, Chris. Absolute pleasure to chat as always. And uh, yeah, um, pl- stay tuned for the for another podcast series coming up, hopefully. And um, we will I will speak to you again. Thanks. Cheers, all. Cheers Chris. Thank you.